mindfulness mode 412. Well, damn, I'm not getting the reaction I used to get. I'm not getting like, I don't ruin our whole day like I used to. Hey, welcome to another episode of Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce. Great to have you here. My guest today is going to be a guest speaker at an event I'm going to be attending in Reading, Pennsylvania in May. And the event is called the Growth Now Movement Live event. And Justin Schenk is hosting it. You'll recognize Justin's name because he was a guest on my show, episode 293, and it's going to be an exciting event. If you want to check it out, it's, well, like I said, Growth Now Movement Live. So it's GNMLive.com. Check out the website and it would be great to see you there. Hundreds of guests have recommended books on the Mindfulness Mode podcast. And I've pulled together the 12 most recommended books into a short 14-page ebook. That's free for you. It's called 12 Must Read Mindfulness Books. Any one of these books can definitely change your life, just like they have for my featured guests. Download this great free resource at mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode with Sarah Centrella. Mindful Tribe, we have a lot to talk about today. I have the awesome Sarah Centrella with me today. Hey, Sarah, are you in mindfulness mode? I am trying to always be in mindfulness mode. What's up, Bruce? That's, that's <laughs> great. To talk to all your, your audience. It's great to have a chance to talk to you and to meet you. It feels like I'm meeting you in person, even though it's only over Zoom, but we will meet in, yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. We will meet in person, but I want to ask you first, what does mindfulness mean to you, Sarah? Oh, good question. To me, that is one of those words that is, can be such a catch-all that if you don't pause and identify it personally, it won't mean anything to you at all. It'll just be kind of one of those words that is, you know, floating around. Um, And when I kind of started out in my journey, I did not know how to be mindful. I did not know how to recognize what I was thinking and kind of what was going on in my brain. Um, And so that is really what it means to me at this point in my life is to daily and hourly and minutely as much as I can check myself. And just be like, wait, pause. What am I thinking about right now? Is this good for me or bad for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that really has helped me to live in the moment. Again, not in a cliche way, but in an actual way. Because if we're not, if we're just letting our brain do whatever it wants to do, then we really have no control of anything. And so mindfulness to me is uh, a daily, literally a daily practice. I have a lot of tools that I use to check it. Um and that's how I guide my life. That's how I, it's the headlights on my car, if you will. Wow. The headlights on your car. I love that. <laughs> wow. Well, we met through Justin Shank and Justin yeah. is an awesome podcaster and he has a podcast called the Growth Now Movement and he's having a live event called Growth Now Movement Live and you, Sarah, are going to be one of the fabulous speakers. Yes, I can't so. wait. And I, I do really love Justin. We've uh, connected a couple months ago when I was on uh, his show and he came to my um, future board workshop that I had in Pennsylvania when I was doing my national tour this fall. And so I'm very excited to um, be on his stage. This is his inaugural event. And uh, so it's going to be a great event. 
And I'm excited because I'm going to be there. And Mindful Tribe, you can check it out. G-N-M, standing for Growth Now Movement, GNMLive.com. That's where you'll ah. find the information. It takes place in Reading, Pennsylvania. And we'll get so, to meet in person. Yeah, we absolutely will. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I want to share, Sarah, a bit about you with, with my listeners. Sarah Centrella is known as the premier vision board expert. And her follow-up book, now she had a, a first book, which is wildly successful. She sold out all copies of it, and it's called Hustle, Believe, Receive. And man, I look at the, at the reviews, and it's just raving, raving reviews about Hustle, Believe, and Receive. And your new book is called Future Boards, How to Make a Vision Board to Manifest Exactly the life you want and it's coming out soon so yeah that's going to be exciting but you're a master life coach worked with professional athletes in the nba the nfl and thousands of people from around the world helping people to manifest their dreams and sarah you regularly lead workshops for clients such as pinterest nike bmw xerox quaker oats thrive global wow so many different organizations and you've been featured by the wall street journal abc news the new york times good morning america wow and now <laughs> i get the chance to feature you and this is such an honor but sarah uh, i'm just wanting to go back go back to before before all of these things happen, what was happening in your life? Did you have some major pain points that you were struggling with that were just really a challenge for you? And maybe some elements of mindfulness helped get you through that? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. My journey actually started, um, my journey that got me here, I would say, uh, started in 2007 with what I like to call an earthquake moment. Mm -hmm. One of those moments where it feels like literally the earth is taken out from underneath you and everything that you know and have built and have worked your life towards just flat lines and <laughs> disappears. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that kind of true rock bottom devastation moment um, was when my husband, we had been married for eight years and together for 16 at this point. Um, and we had three kids, I had twins that were a year and my son was five and a half. Um, and, you know, we were trying to get through the recession like everybody else, because this was, uh, what, 2007, mm -hmm. just foreclosed in our home and just filed bankruptcy. And, you know, things were not going great. <laughs> Let's mm -hmm. just say that. Um, but the kind of the one thing that I had never really questioned in my life at that point was um, my relationship, because I had been with this man since I was 16 years old, and it was kind of like all we ever knew. And uh, but on just one day in September, he came home and I wound up finding a text message on his phone. And this was way back in the olden days when nobody texts. So that alone was shocking for me. I didn't even know he knew how to text. Um, and it was essentially the text message that changed my life. Um, and it was from his mistress at the time. And um, it was such a, a clear and concise message. It basically said, I can't wait till you're finally free all mine, no more sharing, smiley face. Mm. Um, and those three lines just changed everything in literally a split second. At the time he was in the shower, I went in, turned the water off in the shower, said, get the fuck out of the house and don't ever come back. And 
filed for divorce like four days later and it was the end of everything I'd ever known um, or ever even thought about. So I was never one of those people who had kind of a low key backup plan, you know, mm-hmm. um, it had just never crossed my mind before that day, not in any way, shape or form. So I didn't have any idea of what I would do. This was before um any social media, you know, like it wasn't on any social media. So it was literally a time um, in my life where like the only people you knew were people you actually knew like in person. Um, And I had never known anybody who'd ever been through anything like what I'd been through ever, never. Um, I never read a book of someone who'd been through it or anything. So I, I feel so naive looking back now, but if we can remember back that far before everything was so accessible, you know, on social, um, you really did feel completely isolated and alone when you were going through something traumatic like that. Um, and to answer your question in a mindfulness way, I think literally the day that he left, I just, you know, hit the floor and was like crying um, to the point where I was like, my face was sticking to the hardwood. I just couldn't move. I was in a fetal position on the floor. And, um, and that's when my mind, I'm, I'm very much a, um, a fixer or solver, you know, like I, if yeah. presented with something like the hustler in me is like, okay, 99 ways, let's go, you know, like, come on, come on. Right. And so I remember just being on the floor and that's what my brain was doing. It was like, okay, well, what about this? What about this? Like, how do you get a job? How do you get daycare? How do you, you know, get rid of everything you own and get some money? And, and I was broke. I um, didn't have a dollar to my name. I literally, you know, the water was um, on a five day notice, the rent hadn't been paid. So it was just worst case scenario. Um, And my brain kept on just being like, okay, well, I can't do that because of that. So every kind of solution I was putting up, there just was no way. There was like literally no way to make them work. And um, the mindfulness came in at this moment where I needed just anything to grab onto. And it was just this voice and we can call it whatever we want. Um, for me, it was kind of my inner voice or the universe or whatever. Um, but it was just kind of countering the argument. And I think we all have it within us. We just have argued it to death to the point where we don't hear it anymore. But whenever we're forced with making a really tough decision or our back is against the wall, it's always there. It's always telling us what to do. And for me in that moment, it was just like, what if you can so everything I was saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, all it did was come back and just say, what if you can? What if, what if you can? And so for me, it kind of started everything on the path that I'm on now, because for the first time in my life, I had a different voice, you know, rather than kind of the negativity I'd lived in my whole life. And I was, I was a total floater, you know, like floated yeah. through my life. Um, and that was kind of the turning point for me where it was like, well, what if I could? And then if I could, how would I do that? And, you know, I just started working it back from there and, and it really gave me the strength I needed to get through like the first dark point and, and start to build a plan. Wow. And, it, I, you know, I just had to catch my breath when you told that story. I mean, it just hit me. It was so dramatic because you never suspected a thing. You never, never. and didn't have any idea. How did your children move, help you move through that or were they a help? to get you through that, that. Yeah. And that's a great question. Um, so my son, it was very difficult for him because he had an incredibly close relationship, uh, with his father. They were so, so, so close. 
Um, and it was such a dramatic, instantaneous thing. We never went back to being a family from that moment on. Um, and it became contentious in almost instantaneously. And, um, you know, so it was very difficult. It was a difficult divorce um, for sure. But I think even in that, those first, you know, few hours, even in the moment that I was on the floor, it, it was my kids that got me through 1000% because in everything that I was, you know, going through these scenarios of, of how do I get back on my feet? Like, what do I do? It was all because of them. So I truly don't know what would have happened if I didn't have them. I mean, I've now coached so many, so many people and I've heard thousands of stories since obviously of women who've been through exactly what I went through. Um, and I've seen it destroy women, quite frankly, like irreparably destroy them. Um, and that very well could have been me, but I think that survival, you know, when you're kicked to that level of, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, downness or blackness or whatever you want to call it, um, you have a mechanism, we all have it, where you can survive and you can get strength that you didn't even know you had. And for me, it was definitely my kids. I was like, first and foremost, no one has ever taken my kids. So if that is like bar one, that means I need to figure out how to take care of them so that, you know, like I can. And I had never been in that position, never thought I would have to be. So as it was incredibly terrifying and daunting to think like there is no backup plan. Like I need to provide a roof. I need to provide food, like all of that stuff. And that being like the ultimate motivator was just like, okay, now that that's a non-negotiable now, what, right? Like now how to, how do I do that? So without a doubt, and they, they continue to be, I mean, everything I do, I do for them. And that is not a cliche. It's just 1000% like the fire in me. Are you still working through a level of grief and pain that exists as a result of that happening so long ago? No, I would say um, for me, it was actually, I think deep, deep down, and I, I talk a lot about this now, if we have a dream, um, and I, I had a very clear dream when I was younger, like when I was, um, you know, 10, 12, 15 years mm -hmm. old. Um, and that dream, I always thought that I would be out um, reaching people in some way. And at that point in my life, I thought I'd be a singer and, you know, whatever. Um, so I always had this very clear picture in my mind of like the woman I would be and what I could potentially become, I think. And then, you know, through the marriage and through all those things, it really was absolutely lost. And I was definitely a had morphed into more of like, okay, I need to be Susie Homemaker and, you know, whatever. Um, but the dream was still very deep in inside of me. And I think um, the year that had led up to kind of everything that was going on, there was so much um, tumultuous stuff kind of happening uh, that it had kind of come back where I was like, wow, there's got to be more to life than this. It's got to be more to life than this. And so I tell clients, it's, a thousand percent true be careful what you wish for because at a certain point the universe will say okay i see you know what your heart's desire is i see the life you want to live i see who you want to be and i see your current situation and the two ain't never gonna meet <laughs> like mm. it's not gonna happen and i know that if it was up to me i would have never probably ever made a change you know and so that's really why i call them earthquake moments is sometimes the worst possible thing on the surface is the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, putting the pieces in play for you to have what you ultimately want. And so now I live a life that I have 
designed with absolute intention, <laughs> absolute mindfulness, absolute from the core of me. Um, and I thank God every single day that I have the opportunity to live this life. I could not fathom anything different. And, um, you know, he's, I think he's happy in the life that he's created and it's much better suited to him as well. Um, mm -hmm. so literally all things do work together. <laughs> Well, you're obviously a take action kind of woman, that's for sure. And you moved forward and you took action and you wrote a book called 51. Well, no, it wasn't called 51 stories. It was called Hustle, uh, Believe, Hustle yeah. Believe and Receive. Yeah. And it was 51 stories of people. And you came up with an eight step method. Can you share with us about that method that you came up with? Yeah, absolutely. So I call it uh, my HBR method for Hustle, Believe, Receive. And uh, I had been blogging for, for several years, kind of right from the beginning when all this was going on, just because I didn't have anybody to talk to or kind of process what, what I was dealing with. And so I blogged anonymously for a long time to kind of get it off my chest. And then, um, and then I just started putting out there like who I wanted to be. And, and I made uh, a motto, which is still true for me to this day, which was, I'm a chick on a mission to prove that anything is possible for anyone. And that's what I started out doing. And to this day I'm still doing. Um, and so I thought, how does a person have an audaciously ridiculous dream that is like 9,000 degrees removed from their current reality? Um, and then what do they do to get there? And so the more I kind of put it out there, good, bad, and ugly, like the wins and the losses, the more people were like, hey, wait a minute, like what you're doing is actually working. I, I remember you posted a, a year ago and said you would do that. And now you're doing that. Like, How'd that happen, you know? Um, and so in 2015, I'd been getting so many requests for people to be like, what was it? How do you do it? What's different kind of than basic law of attraction stuff or whatever? Um, and I just sat down and I was like, all right, what was it? I just remember just like writing on napkins in my kitchen table. And I was like, well, I dreamed it. And then I believed it. And, you know, and, and wound up kind of putting it together in a way that is, you know, I consider Hustle Believe Received to be a recipe book, honestly. It's that simple. It's that basic. It has homework after every step. Um, and constantly people are, are messaging me and saying, this is the third time I've read your book, or I read it every January so that I can reset and I redo the homework and all of that, which is is truly amazing because it's it's not revolutionary concepts. And the, the thing that was really kind of interesting is once I was done putting those steps together in the HBR method, I kind of thought, all right, well, who's going to listen to me? <laughs> like, you know, I'm a single mom from Oregon, like who's going to give a shit. Right. Um, and then I thought, wow, I've really surrounded myself intentionally with a pretty amazing crew over the last five or six years, which was very much true. They really uh, inspired me to step up and, and, you know, be my best self. Um, and as I started just going through my phone, I was like, oh my God, like, I know a lot of really, really insanely successful people. And there's many professional athletes that are in the book. Um, you know, the vice president of Morgan Stanley is in there. And all these people were um, people that are in, in my circle. And so I just said, hey, I wonder how you started. Like, how did you get that dream? And and was it tough? And did you have to visualize it? And did you surround yourself with it? And, you know, did you hustle? And, and they just told me their story. And every single time, when I was done, all eight steps were in their story every time. And so that, that is really that was, cool. Yeah. That, that is that really like, cool. Holy shit. 
(laughs) (laughs) And then so that became your eight steps. And uh, wow, yeah, well, people just rave about your book. Can you share with us maybe a couple of steps that maybe relate to mindfulness that are are outlined in your book? Absolutely. I mean, the one that comes first and foremost uh, to mind is one that has been such a powerful um, tool in my own life. And I really think it's the step that changed everything for me. Um, And that is Think It. It's step two in the book. Um, I'm actually running a boot camp right now, and we're we're on that step this week in the boot camp. Um, And Think It is all about how... H-O-W, to change your thoughts. Because here's the thing. People talk about it all the time. Think positive. Positive vibes only. Blah, 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 right? Yeah. Um, Or they're like, if you think positive, you get positive and all this bullshit. And to me, that's what it was. It was like a bunch of words that don't make any sense to me. And when I started, I was like, I have no idea what's going on in my brain. And I have no idea how do you control that. Like, hello, I was 33 years old and I was like, what you can control your thoughts like this is insane <laughs> you know like how yeah. do that and so i was out looking for the answer to that and i could never find it i could never find someone to just say like change your thought for dummies here's how here's how you do it right um so that's really what i did i just broke it down into the way my brain processes things and kind of visuals and images um and it's very simple like two-year-old could get this <laughs> um but it works it's like it really is the step that I think when people read the book, the light goes on because they're like, Oh my God, I've been trying to get this forever. And now I got it. The light's on. Like now I get it. Now I apply it every day. Boom. Um, so for example, I kind of think of our thoughts as, uh, offense and defense on a basketball court, right? So you have, you're watching a game and both is happening at all times, right? Offense and defense. Right. And the team that ultimately wins has a good combination of both, but they also have a better offense than their opponent, right? So offense has to win at the end of the day. Yes. And what most people talk about in this space is how to play defense. So when the dirty, nasty, evil thought comes in, you're supposed to ignore it or whatever, right? So that to me is defense. Well, great. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any other strategy, you're going to be playing defense for the rest of your life and you're going to get real exhausted and you're going to be like, this sucks. It doesn't work, right? So you have to equally put out into the universe what you do want, and that's your offense. So that has to be more than the defense you play. And in the beginning, it's it's a lot of defense, right? Because you're all of a sudden you're noticing what you're thinking. You're like, holy crap, I had no idea it was this negative or I had no idea I was cutting myself down all day, every day. I had no idea I was talking about money and that's why I don't have any money. I, you know, so when you first go through it, it's like, whoa. Um, but then once you're catching them and you're, you're putting your tools to change them, then all the rest of the time you're proactively putting out who you want to become, the life you want to live, how happy you'll be when you live it. And to get there, you have to know all that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. It's so inspiring to hear you talk about this because you're right. That's what everybody is looking for. How do I change those negative voices in my head? And everybody talks about it, but uh, actually achieving it yeah. is the struggle. Yeah. And it changes everything. And here's the thing, like 
if you do that combination right, and there's three different uh, kind of skills or tools that I talk about in the book, um, I'll give you one of them. So again, in a visual way, uh, and this kind of always helps it stick too, um, the very first tool, I call it mental tennis. So mm-hmm. if you imagine like a tennis, um, you're out on a tennis court and you have one of those like electronic ball hitters, right? And it's like spewing balls at you. Um, you're not just going to sit there right? Like no moron is just going to sit there and be like, yeah, please bruise my entire body and just pelt me to the ground. Right. <laughs> like you're going to be out there with your racket. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad, you know, it doesn't matter if you fall on your face ten, 10 times, like you're going to not just stand there. You're going to do something right. about it, put it back. Right. So I think of that as like our negative thoughts are coming all day, every day, right. They're just a torrent. And most of the time, if we don't know what to do, we're just receiving them. And then we're having a conversation with them. And then we're letting them expand. Then we're letting them ruin our day and all that, right? So I say, like, the second you, you've recognized that you're having one of those, and sometimes it might be an hour after you've been, <laughs> been marinating on it, right? But once you've recognized it, you just throw it back. You just throw it back. So if the thought is, I feel tired and awful today, you just throw back the opposite every time. So it's a non thinking game right you don't even have to think about it you're just like oh i feel energized and amazing boom on to the next you know so that's that's kind of one really quick easy skill and so the more here's a beautiful thing about our brain the more you do that the more that negative thought gets bored and it's like well damn i'm not getting the reaction i used to get i'm not getting like i don't ruin her whole day like i used to so it might come back in a new way you know tricky a little bit but over time, as long as you're putting out that positive um, counter every time and you're also spending time throughout the day imagining that to be true, right? Saying, oh, I am energized and beautiful. Then what happens? You start, you know, for us women, getting dressed, putting on our makeup. And what, what happens? We start to feel beautiful, right? So it, it creates action, which is the other big thing people don't talk about. It creates action. And so, yes, it starts in your thoughts, but it it does that in a way that starts to create true belief, true change, true action, true all of that. And then over time, that thought is completely eliminated and you 1000% believe what started out to be almost a false, you know, affirmation in the beginning because you've morphed into that person. So I just do it as like the way I set the bar and raise myself all the time, setting the bar, raising myself. Well, how long did it take you to uh, interview that number of people for the book and put all that together? Uh, so that from the time that I had the idea for the book to the time I turned it in was a year. Um, and when I had the idea for the book, I didn't even have an agent. <laughs> I had no right. idea how publishing worked. I you know, was starting at square one, as anyone would who just has an idea to write a book. Um, but I told everyone, <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm writing this book. You're going to be able to buy it in Barnes and Noble. I just know you are. And everyone's like, yeah, of course, you know, whatever I can do. And so um, it was probably, I don't know, three or four months into that process of already writing it, getting the interviews and all of that, um, that I finally got an agent. And about three months after that, that I got a book deal. Um, and then I had six months to, to turn it in. So the whole thing from kind of concept to uh, turning it in was about a year. <clears throat> 
And then you uh, later decided to write this book about vision boards called Future Boards. Mm -hmm. Have you always been a person, even from the time you were a child, where you you would envision things? Like You kind of alluded to that earlier. It sounds like you were a very visual little child. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Very much. And I think um, I've I've learned now um i didn't even know this when i was writing hustle believe receive but it's it's kind of a big part of the new book um that people are kind of innately born one way or the other either they're born kind of automatic just dreamers and they're the kid that was daydreaming all the time in school and not focusing and everyone was like hello come to reality right or they were kind of more of a planner or an analytical or you know like they like research or whatever so there's a million in-betweens, right? But for me, for the purposes of kind of everything I teach, um, understanding that there's two ways people come at this made a humongous difference because as a dreamer myself, I kind of thought everyone had the capacity to to be able to do it. I was like, you know, doesn't everyone daydream when you're a kid or whatever? And then the more I kind of um, have coached and have dug into it, I really realized not at all. Like that is a total skill set for some people that is very, very difficult. Um, so for my analytical, I call them thinkers. Uh, for my thinkers, the very first step of hustle, believe, receive, which is dream it, is probably their hardest. Like it is so hard. Like, it, you know, so many things come up to block them. Um, you know, like how, when, I can't budget for it. I need to have a, you know, a spreadsheet for it, all that stuff. So um, getting them to kind of let all of that go and just be all in, start to visualize what their life would look like in a different way um, can definitely be the hardest work of the whole process. And then for my dreamers, like that is their candy, man. We're just like, we could go all day for that. I, I freaking love it. But you get down to one of the other steps is uh, write it. And that's where our plan comes in. And us dreamers are like, eh, I don't want to do that. Like, that's hard, right? You know? Yeah, um, yeah. And the thinkers are like, oh, finally, something for me. <laughs> so what I've realized in this process is that being a natural born uh, dreamer, I had big dreams my entire life, but I never knew how to execute them until I figured out the method that's in the book, ever. I had never completed anything I had started until this. Because this wow. actually gave me tools to be like, oh, yes, that seems huge and unattainable and scary and whatever, but here's how I break it down into little bites that I can handle. And here's how that turns into something else and whatever. So that skill set has been everything for me and I think has also just really helped people who are natural dreamers to actually finally start getting results, sometimes for the first time in their life. Cool. Sarah, tell us an actual true story about someone that you have helped take these eight steps to change their lives around and turn it upside down. Oh my gosh. So, so, so many. But um, one one of the first ones that uh, comes to mind is a woman that I coached uh, in 2015. So as I was writing the book um, and her name's Virginia and her story is in the new book. So she's not going to mind that I'm, <laughs> that I'm sharing it with you uh, today. But so when uh, I first started working with her, she literally spent every dime she had to, to get me as her coach. And um, she had just filed bankruptcy, had just got a divorce, was literally at the bottom of the bottom, was definitely dealing with um, some really tough things and depression and a bunch of other stuff, um, and was just truly unhappy in her life. She was unhappy at where she lived, like location-wise, unhappy at the job, just kind of everything was really kind of where I was when I was starting out where just things seem really dark and you don't even know how to imagine any other scenario. Right. Um, and so we worked through the eight steps 
over an eight week period of time, which is how I normally coach it. Um, and <laughs> she wrote in week one where I kind of have them write their before story, which is the current where you're currently at. Like, you know, how do you feel about your life? Whatever. And she just wrote, she's like, I just feel so lame. Like, I don't have any dreams. I don't know what I want, whatever. Um, and as we started working through that process and we got to the to the stage where she, you know, writes out her plan and then makes her future board. So she's envisioning what this new life looks like. By then she's let go of a lot of this, you know, these resistance and, and blocks or whatever and has allowed herself to dream. And so on her board, she had um, that she actually wanted to move someplace sunny. And she lived in a very cold climate. So she's like, I want to move to California. I want a pool in my backyard. She's like, she described her whole house. She put the pictures on there. Um, and then she's like, I want to meet the love of my life. And I want an active lifestyle. I want to feel good and fit and healthy and whatever. And it was about 18 months after we were done uh, working where she bought a house in San Diego, is now married to the love of her life. They have been for a year. Wow. Literally, like the house looks like the house that was on her initial future board. She has the pool in the back. They ride bikes on the beach every day. Like she's lost weight, feels amazing. So like her life just blows me away every time I talk to her, think about it. I'm just like, oh my God, like how are you even the same human being? You know, and that's how I feel about my life. Like I'm a totally different human being than I than I was. That's incredible. Then. That's an incredible story. On May 30th to July 1st, when Justin has his big event, Growth Now Movement Live. What will you be talking about when you step on the stage? Yeah, so I um, I haven't nailed down the exact uh, topic, but I know that I'm going to be sharing some of the secrets of how to make a future board that actually works. Because this is not, and I just want to be so clear about this, this is not a standard vision board and it is not a dream board. <clears throat> There's... Um, every single thing about the way that I approach how to make these boards is not like anything else anyone's ever done if they've made a board before. Are you so, able to give us a glimpse of a difference? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for one thing, um, when I'm working with someone or even if they're reading the book, we don't get to make our boards till five weeks in or five chapters in. So that's, that's actually step five out of eight um, because we have to first dream, right? We have to first allow our dreams to even show up. Most of the time we're so wrapped up in shooting them down <clears throat> that we don't even know they exist, right? It, it, it's such a fast um, reaction that we have to cutting them down that allowing them to breathe is just a new concept for most people. Um, and then we have to change our thinking. We have to change the way we talk. We have to really put in the foundational work if we want to get results. So I actually don't have people cut out magazines. We don't do that. We don't just have a no-brainer party. It's very mindful. <laughs> yes. um, so when I look at my board, it shows in a pictorial way my exact future life. And that's why I call it a future board because it's a prediction of my future. And I've manifested, I'm going on my seventh board right now um, in ten under 10 years. Um, and just the most dramatic life changes you can possibly imagine. So for me, that board has 1000% predicted my future. It's predicted this moment. It's predicting all the moments that are coming because it's a complete alignment with what I know I want and what I know I'm working towards. And that's totally different than cutting out a bunch of pretty pictures from a magazine. Not yes, even in is. the same ballpark. <laughs> 
But you're creating a movement with this. Tell us about the new movement that you're creating and how this works for people who can't make it to where you're located. Yes, yes. I'm so excited about this too, guys, because I'm a huge believer in action, as you said, um, in putting in the hustle and putting in the work. Um, I'm not a big fan of stupid random sales pitches at all. I'm, I'm a very no bullshit person. So it might give me the goods. <laughs> so I'm super excited about this because I'm going to do, or I've actually just launched a virtual book tour for future boards, uh, which is the new book. It's, um, published by Simon and Schuster and it will be out, uh, July 2nd. And so what I'm doing for that is I want your listeners to gather their friends, their coworkers, anybody who remotely might want to do something new with their life, right? Who, who wants something more, right? Um, and I want you to get them together in your home and have them make these boards together. This is not, there's no sales pitches. It's not an MLM party. This is literally people who want to live a better life coming together, sharing that with each other, having a great time doing it. Um, and then if you have 10 friends and you've, you've all pre-ordered the book, which is available right now for pre-order, I will Skype in to your party and hang out with you and virtually drink some wine and answer all your questions. And, um, we'll have 15, 20 minutes together. So I want my calendar like covered with those i want to show up at everybody's party um and that's global so it doesn't matter where you live you can host one of those and have me virtually join so i'm super excited so there's no cost involved people just hang out with each other so this begs the question what's in it for you how are you benefiting from all of this i'm gonna have future boards in the hands of everyone at that party and to me like that is the ultimate thing i mean you can pre-order it now for 17 bucks right and it isn't cocky to say that that 17 bucks can change your life because I've seen it happen so many hundreds of times that it's just a factual statement. So I don't know what you're spending 17 bucks on today, but I can promise you this one you're going to get your ROI from. Um, so yeah. And my goal is, uh, in the movement that I've been creating over the last seven or eight years is I've always brought everybody along for this ride for me and been really transparent in it. Um, and so, it takes 10,000 copies of a book a minimum. I mean, there's no hard science to it, but that, that is the general uh, minimum to be sold in one week to hit the New York Times bestseller list. You kind of have one shot at that, which is with pre-orders because pre-orders all hit that figure the first week your book is released. So literally every single person that pre-orders, you're part of this dream. You're the one that made it happen. You're the one that changed things you're the one that got your friends to start manifesting you're the one that is going to be on trips with your kids that you might not have ever been on before so that is that is the mission like we're in it together wow that is so exciting as we move forward sarah i want to ask you five quick answer questions so just 30 second answers are perfect the first one is this who is one person who's influenced mindfulness in your life oh god oprah <laughs> oh. I mean, Oprah. I would never have known any of this stuff um, if it wasn't for Oprah. I'd never read a self-help book in my entire life. Um, I just used to watch her show. And she was the one who introduced any of these concepts to regular people um, and made them, you know, accessible in a way that we could understand them. And without her, I would not be here. <laughs> and how has mindfulness influenced your emotions? Oh, God. It allows you to control them. <laughs> like, imagine that. <laughs> 
Isn't that yeah, great? Yeah. Like, oh my God, like I don't have to be on a roller coaster anymore. What the fuck? That's amazing. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> people can say whatever they want and it doesn't affect me anymore because I control how I perceive things and I control what I th- like. Amazing. I don't have to have anxiety anymore because I control that. Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. How has, how has breathing been a part of your mindfulness? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> it is something that I needed to be better at, quite honestly, but something that I am consciously getting better at. So I do hot yoga and that's a great place for me to remember uh, to breathe. And then I also am a big proponent of what I call power mottos. So mottos that really give you power in a moment, especially when you're feeling weak or powerless. And I combine those with deep breaths and doing that together is 15, 15, 20 seconds of doing that. You're going to feel like a new human. Um, so it is such a powerful tool. Cool. And are there any apps that you recommend? Maybe you use them or your clients do that can help with mindfulness. Hmm. Um, so for me, a lot of what I struggled with was just staying on a routine. So at the beginning of the year, if, if I said I want to meditate 15 minutes a day every day or I want to spend time in silence or I want to write or whatever, just kind of being accountable to myself was always the toughest thing. Like I knew what to do. I knew where to go to get that. It was just being accountable, right? So there's this app. I think it's just called Done, D-O-N-E. Mm-hmm. And it is just a – it's kind of just a to-do list. But um, it's color-coded. You can set it up to be a daily reminder. And it will ping you. It'll be – it's nine o'clock. Have you done your meditation yet? You know, and there's just something about if if your listeners can relate to being a little bit of a control freak, which I am, there's something about like, I don't want to end the day until all those little bitches are checked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was actually been really helpful. It's so simple. Like literally it's the simplest thing, but it's helped. Yeah. Simple, but sometimes simple is the best. And just, you know, like your, your eight steps, your eight simple steps that are, are, are steps that so many people have used and now you teach it. So that is fantastic. Well, I think it's great. Hustle, believe, receive your, your first book. So get your hands on that mindful tribe. And of course your new book, all about future boards, as you call them, what some of us would know as vision boards, but future boards, how to make a vision board to manifest exactly the life you want coming out in July 2019. So I'm going to see you in Reading, Pennsylvania at Growth Movement Now. We can find you at sarahcentrella.com. Yes. And so that's S-A-R-A-H. Don't forget the H. And Centrella is C-E-N-T-R-E-L-L-A. Yes. So sarahcentrella.com. Where else can we find you, Sarah? Uh, so I'm on all the social networks just with my name as well. Um, and the links to all of that is on my website. Uh, the information about the book tour, if anyone wants to join, which I hope you do, um, is under the tab, my books. So they can learn all about that there. Um, and the, the course that I'm doing right now um, will be an evergreen course for the rest of the year. They can get that information there too. Sarah, you are so vibrant, so much fun to talk to, and such a life changer for so many people that have been fortunate enough to be following you. And now there'll be even more. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. Thank you, Bruce, for having me. It was an honor. Great. Bye now. Bye-bye. 
Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show about the 12 must-read mindfulness books. Any one of these books can definitely change your life just like they have for the featured guests I've had on my show. All of these books have been recommended. They're the 12 most recommended books on Mindfulness Mode. Download this free gift at mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.